Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Chosen the Podcast. I am Adam Antone, and as always, I'm joined by Father Jacob McDaniel. And we, again, just want to express our thanks to Vicki Hathaway for joining us in our last episode uh, to talk a little bit about youth and young adults. And so hopefully we uh, inspired you to share this episode or this podcast with somebody in your life who you thought might benefit, especially that, that conversation with Vicki. Today we're going to be turning our attention in a new topic, and that is what does the intellectual life of the Catholic Church look like? What does it offer our culture and particularly, how does it take shape in the realm of Catholic education and faith formation? So, Father, first off, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I just want the record to reflect as well that we had a few takes for this episode. And by far, Adam introing this and bringing it out for us was the best take, hence why this is being posted. So, Wow. Nice. Thank you, Father. Yeah, no, that, that was great. Very professional. Maybe WGN might be in your future. Who knows? Nice. Yeah. yeah. I always had the face for radio. But... <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you might have the face for radio, but I definitely have the body for radio. What can I say? What can I say? You know, the plus hey. side is that, you know, Molly's in for life, so there's no backing out now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, I don't think I'd be a very good weatherman either because I would take up a majority of the green screen. So, you know, <laughs> well, the downsides. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's true. You know, hey, they just can't zoom in too far. But anyway, Catholic intellectual life, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, you were with the order, the religious order that oftentimes is associated with the intellectual life of the Catholic Church. I mean, some might say the Jesuits, obviously, with their university systems. But oh, sure. Yeah. The order of preachers, the Dominicans, are very well known for their uh, intellectual tradition and preaching and teaching. So, yeah. uh, what role has um, faith formation taken in your own life? What does it look like for you? Yeah. Well, ultimately, I mean, towards the like latter years, you know, like young adult years or whatever after college, like obviously the Dominicans played a huge influence on me. That led me to, you know, joining the Order of Preachers as a, um, you know, I guess pre-novice or, you know, and then novice and when you officially receive the habit. Um, so then, you know, I discerned that life ultimately felt a calling back to the diocese. But like that intellectual component, um, you know, to preach, to bless, to praise, um, there's that reality of the Dominican life and the pursuit of truth. You know, there's an emphasis on theology and philosophy and other areas of study as well. But mostly in the Dominicans, you see a lot of that. And it's kind of like you said with the Jesuits, there's mm -hmm. my, my, a little more like variety in the intellectual life or what right. have you. Um, but in any case, that was kind of like the the terminal point of, you know, like the end, you know, so to speak, in my formation. Um, but towards the beginning, um, you know, I didn't go to a Catholic school until seminary. I think okay. I've mentioned that on the podcast before. Um, so I went to public schools and public university, um, but I always liked school. I guess I should be careful how I say that, depending on who's listening to this, right. you know. 
That's like the I'm further, not, further studies, further in the studies. Future or something yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that I would dread it, but you know, no, you would love it. Let's be real. Yeah, I don't know. You love that stuff. I've thought about it. You definitely thought about yeah. it. You love it. Yeah, but uh, you know, there's there is something satisfying about organizing footnotes to a paper. I don't share that passion, but I'm glad you have it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you have that passion. That was one of my favorite parts. I think of any research assignment or like any um like you know class because part of the um you know formation at Mundelein was you could get an STB mm-hmm. a sacred theology baccalaureate uh fancy words and Mundelein has their own um pontifical faculty another fancy word another fancy word so basically um on behalf of the holy see they can distribute and grant pontifical degrees so degrees that are recognized by the Holy See or the Vatican, you know. I probably messed that up somehow because there's like different designations of this and pontifical faculties yeah. and pontifical rights. More and... fancy words, but we get what you're saying. Right. Anyway, so I got a, a fancy church degree, um, kind of like the entry level one, mm-hmm. you know, in the eyes of a church. And part of that was writing three uh, research papers in different classes in your coursework and doing a couple extra things and like another test at the end. Um, but that research was... I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You get to read a lot and uh, research and, you know, kind of like argue a point or, synth- you know, most of the entry level of research you do in academia is just like synthesizing like one or two, another fancy word. Man, I'm like on a roll today. Yeah, on a roll. Whew. But, uh, you know, kind of like combining or summarizing like one to three authors viewpoints mm-hmm. and like making a new one or talking about why this one's wrong or this one's right or something. It's not a lot of like original stuff, you know? Um, So that was kind of like seminary, but then, you know, like in faith formation growing up at my home parish, like we go to Sunday school. And I mean, I will say like, if I said like the generic thing, like a lot of the nineties faith formation was like, you know, tear outs and coloring. Yeah. And I mean, I think that would be a really big disservice to say that about like mine, my upbringing. Okay. Because um, that's good. I mean, there was there are certainly elements of that, you know, of any faith formation program. Um, but the teachers that were there, I mean, they really cared. And like we learned and we read our books and we read our scriptures. We re- learned our devotions. And, you know, we also like in the middle school years before confirmation, we talked about like, you know, controversial topics, like moral topics and like sexual morality of the church. So like it wasn't shied away from, mm-hmm. you know? So I really thought it was a great like faith formation upbringing, really. It's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. You could say that. Yeah. So, and I mean, of course, like you look back and we definitely colored pictures of Jesus, but there's not really much else to do in like first grade. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. So I'm going to sit down and tell you about the hypostatic union. It's like, <laughs> here you go, kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One person, two natures. Here we go. My yeah. shoes make me run fast. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's like, that's not pertaining to the topic. Yeah. But... O- okay. Little Jimmy, sit down. It's like, <laughs> I just learned to tie my shoes last week. It's yeah, like, right. All right. All right. That's enough. <laughs> that's, <you know? laughs> that's enough. Yeah. I mean, that you know, in my own experience as an associate now, like, going over to the school and interacting with the kids. Like sometimes the least thing they want to learn about is anything related to the church. And they just want to ask me like, you know, do I own other clothes besides like the black, you know, the blacks, you know what I mean? Father, do you own pajamas or do you you have to (laughs) sleep in your collar? Father, like 
do you and Father Marty live in the same house? That one of them asked me that. It was like, yes, yes, we do. Like, oh, like that was like <laughs> a real revelation. Yeah, man. like, oh my gosh, you guys, you know, it was like, I don't know. Do you have a car? You know, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, you know, that's just one of those things. But I don't know, Adam, what was your uh, upbringing life, you know, in the uh, Catholic school realm, right? Yeah, I, I, um, I went to St. Patrick in Chesterton from preschool to eighth grade, and that was really awesome. Um, in fact, I remember, I want to say, maybe like third or fourth grade, mm-hmm. we pivoted to a different religious education textbook. And I remember that because it was a big difference. Like okay. before, it was the coloring book. It mm-hmm. was kind mm-hmm. of like Jesus is just smiling on every page. Right. You know, holding a bunny. But Nice. Um, Jesus holding a bunny. That's my kind of Jesus, you know? like, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> maybe a little lamb. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Alternating pages, but yeah. <laughs> um, but the Faith and Life series, I don't know if you've seen it. It's it's mm. really um, incorporates a lot of the catechism, and mm-hmm. it also has a lot of like beautiful artwork um, nice. from you know the Vatican museums and just like different churches throughout the world. So that was really awesome. And then um, you know having the opportunity to go to mass uh, once a week on Friday mornings. Nice. Uh, and then at a certain point, we started having Eucharistic adoration on Thursdays. And so part of our religious education time would mm-hmm. be going to adoration for like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, because there was a chapel like on the grounds, right? Yeah, that wasn't built till till later, though. Oh, that was, OK. By that time I was in high school. Yeah. Um, your, but your, your dad built that, right? He did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, Sweet. Dad, if you're listening, there's a little shout out for little, you. A little shout out. But uh, it's like a. I mean, is it like a log cabin kind of thing? It is, yeah. Okay, it's that's what I log thought. Log cabin. Yeah. Um, like, there was a bad storm uh-huh. or like tornado that kind of ripped through. Nah, it wasn't a tornado. It must have been just like a bad storm like that ripped high through. High winds or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Ripped through like Chesterton and St. Pat's area, which mm-hmm. St. Pat's has like property behind the church itself mm-hmm. and it's a wooded area. Um, and it brought down a lot of trees. And mm-hmm. so um, Father Mead had those trees like cut up. And then used that lumber to help build the chapel. Nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sweet. So, Sweet. No, cool. Okay. Nice. And then I'd say another element of like faith formation was serving mass for me. Mm-hmm. I did it all the time. Mm-hmm. And being close to the altar in that way mm-hmm. was, uh, yeah, left a, a very deep impression for me. There's mm-hmm. many facets by which you can learn the faith, yeah. both like hands-on and then also in the classroom. So, And then obviously um, in going to seminary, you know, studied philosophy and some theology and Mm -hmm. good stuff like that. Um, And then when I was in high school, I would help with religious education. Like I was a Mm -hmm. religious education teacher during the summers. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then uh, my first year out of the seminary, I taught theology at one of our Catholic high schools here in the diocese, Andrean. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. shout out Andrean. There you go. It, uh, it's funny when you were talking about like, when we were talking about kids responses to different things Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you think those responses are, you know, designated for really young kids, but I mean, nah, yeah, I'm everybody. teaching, I'm teaching a freshman class uh-huh. and we're talking about <laughs> the Trinity or something. And I was like, all right, so does anybody have any questions on what we've been talking about today? And this kid raises his hand and he says, um, would you rather have fingers the length of your legs or legs the length of your fingers? I said, anybody else have anything they'd like to ask? <laughs> just completely like, 
you know, we're talking about we're we're plunging the depths of Trinitarian theology here, and he's asking that question. Would you so. rather have legs the length of your fingers or fingers the length, the length of, of your, your legs? legs. And well, he's like, that question demands an answer. I'm like, well, it's not coming today. So, uh, I mean, if you were to think about it, I'd much rather have fingers <laughs> the length of your legs, though, honestly. Yeah. It'd wow. be really hard to walk with legs the length of your fingers. It'd be tricky for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So. Think of how you could grab stuff. <laughs> See, this is the kind of thing. Yeah, you gotta, you, I don't know. You know, classroom etiquette. You can't entertain that. But yeah. maybe that's why I'd be a terrible teacher. You know, like classroom teacher, you know. Yeah. Like, let's think about that. Who wants to write a paper on that? <laughs> <laughs> so. Father, let me to to kickstart our broader conversation today. Let me ask you this: What do you feel like our broader cultural moment could learn from the intellectual tradition of the Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. What what is what is our tradition? Yeah, speak to it. Well, we we kind of outlined this a little bit before, you know, like recording today. I mean, there's like a kind of like a range or a spectrum when you think about like most things in the church, um, you know, like whether you're talking about like our humanity or different aspects of theology, there's, there's always like a, an extreme on one end and extreme on the other end. And oftentimes the Catholic response is like a moderate, like in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think for us right now, what we really have to offer is on one end of the spectrum is like fideism in our intellectual life, which is, you know, like you can only know God by faith and there's like nothing intellectually tenable like that you can hold about god god is so utterly utter like utterly utter <laughs> like am i saying that i'm not not uh, like cow, utter, utterly other other thank yeah. you not like cow utters there we go yeah <laughs> um but that's kind of a result of um there's a lot of like christian circles that would embrace that today and a lot of like academics you know that would talk about um you know, their faith from the perspective of fideism, like only by faith. I would say that 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 takes a big hit from modern atheism, right? It's just like, oh, well, you just, you believe things just randomly or, you know, you leave reason at the door. and Like no reason, no logic. Um, Like this might be kind of like an evangelical maybe realm. I don't want to like mischaracterize groups, you know, but that's kind of where you find it. It's fundamentalism. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah, extreme. That's more. That's probably more a better way to describe it. And there are, of course, different you know groups of Christians today that would gravitate towards it. I mean, I don't think there are truly very many fundamentalists out there, mm-hmm. with the exception of like you know the Westboro Baptist Church or something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean that would be the closest group because at the end of the day, like almost any Christian would be okay with eating like shellfish for example sure you know whereas like a true fundamentalist will read the bible and say like no we're not allowed to do that because of this in numbers or this in leviticus or whatever Mm -hmm. then on the other end of the spectrum is um like like a like a rationalism or like a empiricism yeah like scientific like scientism like scientism yeah 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 you said before um like totally constrained on what you can learn from your senses. Mm-hmm. So like only like rational things. Like, right. Only what can be measured. Right. Scientific method. Like. Right. Scientific form of knowledge is only form of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hence like the empiricism idea. Like 
only empirical things that you can learn from your senses, like you said, like measurable things. Yeah. But, you know, if you talk about like particle duality, for example, plenty of people in the scientific community believe that and you can't really measure that. Sure. So. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as like consciousness. Yeah. You know? Right. It's like, so uh, yeah, the, the empirical oftentimes like leads into strict materialism. The Mm -hmm. only thing that is Mm -hmm. real or true is that, which is like material. Yeah. But then it's just like, okay, what is the materiality of love look like? Mm -hmm. Or what is the Mm -hmm. materiality of consciousness? Right. Um, so there's, there's limitations on that end too. Yeah. And like in this camp, you would find people that, um, you know, like you said, strictly observable, but then what that turns into is like a collapse of free will because your brain is just a series of chemical reactions that are observable, you know, whatever. And like that determines what you, those things you described, whether it's like consciousness or your choices. So like any fabrication in our mind of what we have as free will is just that, like fabricated to these people. So like, you know, to make choices or like to love, it's just yeah. an evolutionary response. Right. And that's really, really sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if you take it to the nth degree, when you think about it, it's like, what does justice look like? Because should, you know, we really be faulting people who like commit crimes if ultimately like, right. Mm-hmm. They're just responding to impulses that they have no control over. Right. You know, right. so it just, it, it gets murky. That's, that's the whole, that's the problem. That's kind of like the holes that you can start to poke in it. And then that someone would probably say like, oh, well, it's just culturally like dictated how we treat people and that's acceptable in different cultures or whatever, like cultural relativism. Um, so there's a lot of isms, sorry, yeah. in this episode, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um. And then, of course, I mean, the long and the short of it, like to answer your question now, mm-hmm. that was a long, a long way to go about that. No, it's I guess. good. It, it paints a picture. Yeah. Um, is like the Catholic response in the middle. Um, we still hold and believe in free will because we're not just results of happenstance and fate of chemical reactions, but rather we have a intellect and a will given to us by God because uh, we're created. And then on the other end, with like responding to the fideist would be like, there are certain things that are like knowable, mm-hmm. like of God and his um, effects, um, like secondhand, you know, things that we can know about God. But I mean, we can't know God in himself in the sense of, you know, we, we can't comprehend a finite being cannot comprehend an infinite being, right. you know, in that sense. Um, so there's you know, like, I guess I say infinite being, I should really say like being itself, sure. you know, to be more correct in that. But so that's not possible. Even like in the heavenly kingdom, we could ponder, you know, that reality forever. So and, it's it's the Catholic know. both and. Right. You know? Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, and that's often a thing thrown around too, to say that like both and a lot of these conversations involve like a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Another, gosh, we're using, I'm using a lot of weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where there's like a, the illusion of A or B when there's mm-hmm. actually C kind yeah. of idea, you know. Um, so there's really not like, you know, just like one side choices, other side, like black and white choices. You know, mm-hmm. it's more of like a gray um, and a lot of these different issues or ways that we can talk about our Catholic faith yeah, or Catholic intellectual life. So, but uh, how would you describe like that moderate like response like I was talking about, kind of like the both and like. How do you think you'd characterize it? Yeah, I think that um, 
you know, like you said, we we can surmise and come to understand elements of ourself and our human nature of the world around us, even glimpses of God, right? Mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. through means of our reason. I mean, if you right. go to uh, the acclaimed um, Dominican, whom we've referenced many times on the podcast, uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably most popular for like in in, in cultural circles for the five ways, right? right so right. you know, five ways of approaching understanding God. Um, but there's also like understandings of God that are what are or what what's termed the via negativa, right? Like I come to understand who God is by who He is not. Like right. so, mm-hmm. well, what does it mean that God is eternal? Well, it means that He's not bound by time. So that's what helps me to to understand that God is like eternal. So, mm-hmm. um, so I can I can reason through elements of that. Um, but like you're saying, ultimately, the coming to a greater understanding of the heart of God, mm-hmm. what the face of God looks like mm-hmm. is in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Right. right? The word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and again, you can look at that whole area and say, you know, the resurrection account, right? Like right. some people are like, well, it's purely, you know, faith and, 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 but there's also the reasonable components of like how the historical events unfolded, the, right. the empty tomb. So it, again, it's, it's mm-hmm. just so, Enmeshed, both yeah. faith and reason mm-hmm. are are needed and necessary. Um, as you were talking about the different isms, what what came to mind for me as well is just as I'm looking at different news reports or cultural trends, mm-hmm. it would be my hope that philosophy uh, gets incorporated into school curriculums <laughs> more <laughs> and <laughs> sooner. Sorry, I mean, I'm laughing because it's like, it's just, there's such an emphasis now on STEM fields. Yeah. You know. um, Well, because it it comes out of that. um, Scientism. Scientism. Yeah. 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 Science, technology, engineering, mathematics, um, you know, and like, that's often kind of seen as like the golden ticket. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how that, like, nations will like form people to be successful and make money and like get ahead is if you train everyone in these areas. And granted, I mean, and that's kind of where you get like this classic uh, conflict on university campuses between like, you know, the poor, like liberal arts major that mm-hmm. has nothing, you know, compared to like the, you know, STEM STEM fields or whatever that is like a direct application or like a direct knowledge. Right. Um, you can kind of throw like maybe trades in there too that, you know, it's like that's what's valuable is to like, be able to do practical things but then like to answer any questions surrounding like you know morality ethical concerns like sense of worth all that stuff is going to be thrown in with some kind of other end of the of the educational you know reality right so i mean that's the thing is like you know studying chemistry myself like there was never a question of like should we do this or not with like ethics and like granted like i wasn't in high enough level like i wasn't like running a lab to like think about ethical mandates um but i mean i'm sure my superiors were but that was like we never really got that in a textbook Mm -hmm. you know it was always like technical knowledge and like processes and like different experimental processes and there might have even have been 
a little bit of like philosophy in the realm of the scientific method of like why we do that. But there's not really very much there. That was all in the philosophy department, like how to attain knowledge, what is knowledge, Mm -hmm. whether or not we should be doing X, Y, or Z and like why or why not. Like, but that was not really explored in like the chemistry department. Yeah. It was like, here's this thing we're observing. We're going to learn about it. Not like, well, should we be observing this? Or like, why or why not? You know, or like a value judgment on observing it. Yeah. I think, Or or even like the beauty of that. Right. The beauty of observing something like that. Like ultimately you're getting to know like God's creation. No, no, nothing. Nothing like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I think fundamentally the the STEM and the science fields, mathematics, spends a lot of time looking at you know the what's right mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. what what is what is mm-hmm. and like how does it operate and you know areas like philosophy or the humanities spend some time more so looking at the the why you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. why are why are things the way that they are why are there things mm-hmm, period mm-hmm. um so i just i think that again the the scientism issue is that it it breaches into territory that it can't adequately address. Right. So, right. Um, I mean, even just like this past week, read an article about like the first, um, like genetically created cell that had like, um, ape. Yeah. Like, I saw that. Ape I cell line that. and yeah. the human cell line. And they were like chemically luminescent under the microscope to show you like what ones were of human origin and what ones are not. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a scary reality. Yeah, what what like, could go wrong there? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> like, ooh, like human dignity. Why are we doing that? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Are we good stewards of creation? You know, doing that. That's that we get, those questions have to be posed, and that's the thing. Like when you read some articles about it, like there's like a yearning or a longing to pose those questions, mm-hmm. but then on maybe on like the scientific journal reporting it, like there is not going to be any of that probably. I think that, you know, to the question, what can the Catholic intellectual tradition offer our current culture? Two mm-hmm. things come to mind, at least off the top of my head. One is uh, the, that there is more than like the the, the material or the mathematical. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. sense that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I might have referenced this in a previous episode, but I think it was Lewis who talked about you know, imagine, imagine experiencing hunger, but there is no such thing as food. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine experiencing curiosity, but there is no such thing as knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you know, so we have this deep longing in our hearts, in our experience, for things, and we try to fill them with temporal things, but they're never fully satisfied. Which seems to point to a reality that goes beyond the mm-hmm. tangible and material. Like a know? wonder and awe kind right. of thing. Yeah. And like we mm-hmm. wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily have that if that weren't if there wasn't something more. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um so I think that our 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 tradition points us to the fact that these temporal matters, the sciences, the mathematics, like um they're very important. And that's why you you look at, you know, the um the different scientific discoveries and oftentimes they are members of the catholic church right so right. Mm-hmm. um who was a mendel 
With, yeah, uh, like a lot of genetics foundation. Genetics, uh, um, the the priest, uh, Father Lemaitre, with the right. the Big Bang. Yeah, and um, yep. mm-hmm. I think that most of the craters on the moon are named after Jesuits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I mean, so we're not like saying that all that's bad, but it's just it has to be seen in a broader context. Right. Um, the other piece that I think that the church can speak to is that logic matters. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's there there are natural truths that we can surmise even before you get to the bounds of like um doctrine or like religious teaching there are Mm -hmm, certain things mm -hmm. that can be surmised as a result of being a part of god's creation that give us hints of the creator Mm -hmm. um and i think you know that that's one of the things that really scares me and bothers me is just the complete disregard for just fundamental logic in the culture yeah um, you know, I, there's another ism is, um, what is it? Voluntarism, which is basically like the intellectual element, our, our knowing things gets sacrificed to our will. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so, and you, you know, you see this in people like Nietzsche, right? The will to power, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. it's like, even if something logically and like in reality is not true, if I want it enough, mm-hmm then my wanting it makes it true. Right. And you see that all over the culture, like culture of self-invention, like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the self-made man. Yeah. Um, There's that idea of, there's that sculpture of like the, um, there's a man that's like, you know, no shirt, like muscular. And he's like the, the lower half of his body is like a solid block, you know, and the upper half is carved and he's like holding the chisel like to himself, you know, like in the in the artwork, yeah. And it's I think it's actually called the self-made man. Okay. Um but it's it's just that whole thing of like you can overcome like like your own humanity and any limitations that are placed on you and your humanity can be overcome. Yeah. Like and that can be and that's obviously being applied today to like you know, like sexuality, mm-hmm. gender um and it's kind of running amok right yeah. now i mean to say the least i mean because when you when we lose the capacity to even be able to agree with you know people in general that you know might, might not hold our catholic values or catholic faith if you can't even agree that like on the most basic ideas like it's just like no like no no matter is like two plus two doesn't have to equal four anymore right you know it can be five if you make it that way and it's like Wait, what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, basically what you're saying or what I'm hearing you say is truth is under scrutiny in the culture. Yeah. And mm-hmm. put another way, Jesus is under scrutiny in the culture. Right. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that comes to mind is that a lot goes into language. Mm-hmm. Language mm-hmm. really matters. Yeah. And uh, I remember... I saw a talk by um, N.T. Wright, mm-hmm, who is mm-hmm. um, an Anglican bishop. He's a premier New Testament scholar. And they were asking him questions about um, the question of, like, same-sex marriage and all that stuff. And one of the things that he mentioned was that it's very important to be cautious about how we treat words and what mm-hmm, they mean in mm-hmm, language. Mm-hmm. And the reference that he pointed to was, you know, if you go to some German dictionaries and you look at words, there will be... Um, NS next to certain words and it meant like 
the Nazi Socialist Party. Like they made the words or they like revised the words mm. to mean different things. Mm-hmm. And so his point was just like, we, you know, things can get like messy if, if we start tampering with the fundamentals of just like human life and yeah. how we interact mm-hmm. with one another. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, when you think about Christianity, what does the first chapter of John call Jesus? The word, right? Like the logos, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. thing that helps to put all things into perspective. Um, and so clearly we see as the culture has attempted to push our Lord out, we see that logic pattern like has been pushed out as well. Right, yeah. right. Which I think is why you were saying earlier, like the importance of studying philosophy. Yeah. And I mean, particularly, I think, in what, you know, we're gravitating towards. I mean, you can talk about like studying things beyond the physical, like within metaphysics or how to know and what is knowledge with epistemology or, you know, think talking about like things of like beauty or of morality and right and wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, or, um, you know, the reality too of like what we're referring to with logic. I mean, like, making a like true and cogent and like sound argument Mm -hmm. that's free of like logical fallacies and like being like critical to have those tools to like look at your own like arguments and perspectives and like critique them because i think you know what with what you're saying and just thinking about like i think our culture is quickly losing that capacity where we're so emotionally like tied to our arguments that no longer is it about like objective truth. Right. It's been like, you know, from anyone's perspective in the sense of objective rather than like the subjective, like a single subject. Um, it's all about like what the person feels. And if they feel good, then it's right. And that's really it. Oh, uh, the other piece of that too <laughs> is when people become their ideas, mm-hmm. then you can't engage in realistic dialogue and discussion or disagreement mm-hmm. because you can't just disagree with the idea anymore. You're yes, disagreeing like, with them as a person, person which yeah. you see that rampantly throughout the oh, culture yeah, yeah, is, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. if, if you look at an argument being presented or an ideology and you say that fundamentally has flaws in, in the ideology, like it, it's not coherent. It, do, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times what they say is, well, why are you denying like me or why are you denying my existence or why are you like mm-hmm. um they see it as like a, a personal attack and frankly right. you see this in different like societies um in different countries across the globe of like you know we were talking about changes in definitions like right. mm-hmm. hate speech gets pretty broad mm-hmm. you know of what that mm-hmm. looks like mm-hmm. you know and and i just it's not to say that there are there isn't hateful speech like that's not what i'm saying but i just i feel like when we start to lose clarity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on terms and 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 what we're saying it it just gets murky and i think that um knowing all this seeing this cultural landscape catholic teaching in religious formation programs and in catholic schools mm-hmm. is really important and i think a lot of that hinges also on being authentically catholic we have mm-hmm. a you know a very rich intellectual tradition um, church fathers and saints and doctors of the church who a lot of times when I was studying philosophy, one of the things that I thought about was you read some of the ancients mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, different examples 
but we're grappling with very similar questions. Yeah. Like we're not <laughs> – a lot of times we're just like, well, you know, we've we've evolved so much. It's like, well, like I don't I, – I look at our culture. I'm like, I don't really know if we have. Like not yeah. all motion is progress. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, Well, and it's a really common idea to think like the current age or current generation of people in our humanity is like the most advanced or the best. Yeah. Because of that idea of like, you know, taking Darwin – and then applying it to like social and like cultural ideas you yeah. know, to think like because we've progressed further in time that it's better. Um, but I mean, if you look at any history book of history of humanity, like if you just that's your only metric is just time passing. That's a terrible like assessment. I mean, humanity has done horrible things to each other, right. um, whether it's like institutional, you know, or like more subjective on the individual basis, you know, where. There's been, you know, like radical oppression of groups of peoples, you know, mm-hmm. with like whether you talk about slavery, the Holocaust. I mean, there's horrible things that have unfolded in human history. Um, so, I mean, progress in the sense of just time passing, like, sure, we've learned from those things. But if you look, like you said, like it's, um, you know, knowledge of the past or uh, previous generations or centuries past, like there's definitely wisdom to be found, you know, in their writings and like even for that matter in the Old Testament, I mean, those writers, those peoples are still grappling with the exact same things that we are. Yeah. Like despite, you know, their own setbacks and understanding of like, you know, biology or whatever, you know, so. You think about what we were talking about with Vicky last episode and the seeming impulse to just dismantle institutions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and disregard tradition, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it makes me think about a line from uh, Chesterton. And uh, it's interesting, like, a lot of times today you hear about the importance of our democracy, which I 1,000% agree with, mm-hmm. um, you know, people's voices being heard, uh, like, all that stuff. Uh, Chesterton called tradition the democracy of the dead. Mm. And um, so I just, I kind of find it baffling when we just completely discard you know, how fundamental understandings that we've held for millennia mm-hmm. um, about ourselves, about our world. Like, right. Um, it just, it gets risky. So I just, yeah. I feel like more so than ever, the uh, church's teaching and preaching formation um, is really needed mm-hmm. and important. So, so if you've gleaned anything from the episode today, read a book, please. <laughs> like, like read a book oh my gosh yeah for the love <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like joking around with you know like different schools and like doing vocation talks you know as a seminary and like as i'm sure i know and i know you did adam too like you can encounter like groups of kids that would joke around like oh i've never read a book from beginning to end or something yeah. and it's just like mm. that's, that's not an accomplishment <laughs> like please stop yeah. like it's like if that's the case of you know, our Catholic formation or like public school formation or whatever, like educational system to like rear people that have only read spark notes and yeah. like never read a book. Like we're failing. <laughs> so, Well, and I think giving people substance, mm-hmm. give them something to dig into and latch on to um, yeah. because ultimately that substance is going to be what helps to sustain them in difficult moments of their life yeah you know if you give them flimsy stuff Mm -hmm. that sounds nice but has no substance right they're going to realize when they get to difficult moments like oh that was a waste of time or Mm -hmm. like that's not helping me any well and i think 
you know, in, in my mind as well, thinking about how to evangelize all of this and as the majority of culture like drifts towards scientism or emotivism or, um, you know, just total like, you know, kind of like squandering of universal truth, mm-hmm. um, then it, we have to go to a place where we can learn about that and know their perspective, learn what they have to offer too, because there's certainly things that, you know, anyone has to offer in that reality of what their perspective is, what they're learning, what fruits are coming from that reality too. Because there's certainly things that we're learning uh, from from those perspectives too. But just to realize like the wholeness of truth, the fullness of truth, like the font of truth is going to be, um, you know, from the word made flesh, like you said, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's going to be the fullness of anything that we experience. And so if we, you know, want to foster like a culture and a world not centered on him, you know, as we drift into other things, then we'll continue to find hurt and confusion and pain and division. And so we always have to bring it back to him and, you know, learning how to guide people to him. And, you know, like, like he said last week about accompaniment or relationships, um, part of that is learning other people's perspectives too, and just not, you know, condemning them and thinking like, why would I learn anything about that? Yeah, so, yeah. no, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, coming from the vantage point of working with people in therapy, yeah, um, the culture's present foundation of I feel, therefore I am, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. spinoff from Descartes. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, you see it a lot in the culture. I feel, therefore I am. Like I feel and that that is. Yeah. Um, I work, work with plenty of clients where they feel a lot of things about themselves, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. whatever, like, um, false beliefs or lies. Insecurities, yeah. issues, self-esteem, like, value. Yeah. I understand worth. you believe that, mm-hmm. um, but it's not true. Yeah. You are worth more than, you know, sometimes what we think, right? I yeah. mean, you know. so <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, the same thing can happen with a culture. It's like, yeah. well, you know, uh, well, we believe it. It's like, no, I, I totally, I'm not disregarding the fact that that's what you believe. Um, but the question becomes, is it true? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was at a, I was at a mass with, uh, Bishop McClory this morning and he was talking about evangelization and he said that he had a friend who, um, was like atheist and, um, he, they were having a conversation and, um, he said, what I want to know He's like, because sometimes when I'm talking with Christians, it's like they're trying to sell me something. And he's like, <laughs> do you want to live forever? Like that was the example that yeah, somebody said to him. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I just, I want to know if it's true. Mm-hmm. Like if it's true, then uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me if it's hard. That's fine. But mm-hmm. I just need to know, is it true? Yeah. And you know, like that's, I think that's really what the culture is asking too in massive yeah. ways. Yeah. Is it true? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it there. We're starting to uh, approach the end of our time that we'll devote to this episode. And so that was a little take uh, from Adam and I on, you know, intellectual life of the church and kind of grappling with that reality in our culture today. Next time we will have a guest on, Jacob Knazer. Yeah, Jacob yeah. Knazer. He is the uh, principal of Andrean High School nice. here in the Diocese of Gary. Mm-hmm. And he has graciously accepted our invitation to join us to talk more about um, the intellectual tradition of the church, the role of Catholic education, yeah. and how that can help in revitalizing the culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that interview next week with a little bit more content on well, I guess two know, this weeks, area. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there we go. Whenever it comes out, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, uh, be safe out there. God bless you. And we'll look forward to releasing that content soon. God bless.